Welcome to The Buzz, the podcast of the Jazz Journalists Association, where we discuss news and views from those in the jazz media, writers, broadcasters, photographers, videographers, and other professionals documenting the entire ecosystem of jazz. I'm Rick Mitchell, one of the co-producers of The Buzz, and today I am here with Ted Pankin and Robin Lloyd. Ted writes extensively about jazz and creative music for various publications and programmed jazz and creative music on WKCR-FM in New York City from 1985 through 2008. He won the 2007 ASCAP Deems Taylor Award for his article, Small's Universe, published by Downbeat, and earned the Jazz Journalists Association 2016 Lifetime Achievement in Jazz Journalism Award. He collaborated with Phil Woods on his biography, Life in E-Flat, which won the JJA Book Award in 2021. His blog, Today is the Question, contains over 260 of his articles and verbatim interviews. Robin Lloyd grew up in Detroit, surrounded by all the great music that that city provides. She's been hosting jazz and blues radio shows since 1978 and started writing a music blog around the same time she landed at Seattle's jazz and NPR station, KPLU, now the independent public radio station, KNKX. Thanks to guidance from the Jazz Journalists Association, Robin was able to write feature articles and interviews for the station's website. Robin retired from KNKX on May 30th, 2023. She remains an avid fan and supporter of jazz and public radio. Welcome to The Buzz. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the, the obvious question for each of you. Both of you have backgrounds in both radio and print. Ted maybe is more print than than you do, Robin, but yeah. both done both. How do you prep for an interview? How much background do you need? Obviously, the prep may be different for print and radio. I've come to realize that the radio promoters and publicists for artists are your best friend. They will get you background. They will get you photos with credits that you can use. They will help you set up an interview and do all kinds of things. So I've relied heavily on them to get interviews done. And as far as preparing them, I, you know, I like to do as much research as I possibly can. And I'll read other people's interviews with the artist, not to steal anything, but to at least get a starting point. And then from there, try to make a personal connection with the artist, because that 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 really helps cement the the relationship. And as far as editing for air as opposed to editing for print, basically, if we're doing a Zoom, I can do the transcript thing and edit that to write up and then go to the audio and, and do what I can with that to supplement it. For myself, I haven't done radio interviews since 2008. I haven't had a radio outlet and for me, I always prep as much as I can. But, you know, interviewing is, is really a matter of context. There are a lot of different situations that I interview for. When I was on the radio, people would come up because sometimes because they had a show in New York to discuss, to promote, or a new record. So, you know, the interview would be about their current activities, the show in question, relevant things about their background that pertain to the show and or the circumstances of the recording. Some shows would be more thorough retrospectives of their work. I did a number of those on WKCR. And then you'd be sitting in the studio with the 
musician and you'd be going through their career with them and you'd ask questions as they came up. I'd do as much research as possible. I'd listen. I've studied a lot about jazz history and regional jazz history, so I could steer the conversation in, in, in that way. These interviews were live. There was no editing involved. They'd be in person, real time, in the studio at WKCR. A number of them are on my blog. One way I part of my making a living during a number of those years was doing transcriptions. So that was fun for me to, to hear the things back and transcribe the interviews that appear on the blog. It was also very helpful for later. I somewhat used those radio shows as a vehicle for my own, I don't want to call it scholarly, but my own interest in jazz history. They were also a way to kind of create a transactional situation. People are giving you information and you're giving them publicity. So there was a reason for them to do it. As far as print, uh, again, it's context. An interview for a magazine article is different than an interview for a liner note or a publicity bio. They all have different contexts and different functions. Like Robin, I research as much as possible. I research past interviews that I've done with people because they're people I've talked to four, five, six times. I have a paper trail with them. Yeah, that's that's it. I try to keep in mind the context of the interview. And as the saying goes, not get too hip for the room. I think artists appreciate it, particularly jazz artists, when they realize they're talking to somebody that actually knows their music and appreciates the art form of jazz. Because a lot of times at newspapers and also radio stations, they'll send somebody out to do an interview that's young and new you know, and doesn't really know who Herbie Hancock is, just for example. I think they appreciate that. And obviously, if they have a new album out, you want to hear at least the new album. You don't have to necessarily hear everything they've recorded. Do either or both of you make a list of questions before you start and stick to that order? Like I have a list of questions for you here today. (laughs) (laughs) I do uh, make a list. I don't always stick to it, but it's a starting point. It's the framework. And often that leads to all kinds of different areas. I don't always stick to it, but yeah, I do start out with a list of questions. It's kind of a cross between a list and talking points. Once the conversation starts, I like having those talking points to refer to and bring me back and onto solid ground if I go off on too many tangents. Do you have strategies for getting people to open up and say revealing things? Not revealing necessarily, but uh, as I said, a little more personal. I don't really have a strategy for that. I try to see where it's going and then maybe ask a question about like, how did you get through the pandemic or whatever? And came up with some pretty, pretty interesting things that way. But it's I don't I don't really call that a strategy. It's just kind of checking this person out. I know their music. I mean, I don't know them personally yet. For me, it's similar. I, I don't know that I'm looking for people to tell me revealing things. I'm trying to have an honest conversation. The conversation is usually transactional. The, you, you, you want the artist to... I'm not writing exposés of people. This isn't, I'm not writing for Vanity Fair or, you know, or doing investigative journalism in my music writing. So I'm interested in, in creating a dialogue, generally listening to people, 
And when you do that, people tend to talk. And if they don't, then that's fine, too. It might be a perfectly fine piece one way or the other. Yeah. Revealing wasn't necessarily the the right word for most of what we do. Perceptive or insightful might have been a better word. For what it's worth, how do you approach difficult topics? Like somebody with a history of drug abuse or a band breaking up, something that you feel like people may not really want to focus on. I have not been in that situation, to be honest with you. Most of what I do is is promotional. They're coming to town. They're doing a performance. They've got a new CD out, whatever. So we don't really get into that. When I was doing radio, yeah, it wasn't really a t- uh, people's personal peccadillos weren't something I really would get into at a one-on-one interview. If they broached it, we could talk about it, and I'd try to steer the conversation in a productive way. For print, again, it's not really, I'm not really talking to anybody about their alcohol or cocaine problem, but there are people, you know, who did have substance abuse issues at, at one stage or another in their career, and they talk about it, and you have an honest conversation about it. As far as a band breaking up, things like that, I don't, I don't know that that's such a difficult topic. That's kind of the nature of the business, that bands have a certain lifespan. More likely, we talk about why a band was able to last as long as it did. There are ways to phrase questions to get a reasonable response. Mm-hmm. How about the editing process? How do you decide what to leave in and what to take out? And do you condense quotes sometimes to help the person, if they're wandering off topic just ever so slightly, just condense the quotes? Yeah, I've done that. I have done that a number of times. And then I also would have to go through an editor who would would help me do that. And I had an editor who really hated quotes, direct quotes. She wanted me to paraphrase them. And so I ended up doing sort of a mix. I want the subject to sound as good as possible and read as good as possible. So sometimes you have to do that. You have to condense things. Well, I did all live radio, so I didn't edit on the radios. I I, I did a couple of things for studio. One thing in particular for Studio 360, which was an interesting experience going through that editing process. I wish I'd had more opportunities to do that. For print, well, I have a lot of verbatim interviews on my website on my you know t- which is called today is the question and they're very interesting uh, to me they're very interesting uh again i did a lot of transcription typing and i think it's interesting to get the cadence and tone of somebody's voice but for print articles of, of course you have to edit and of course you have to compress quotes as far as the choices that i make it depends on the narrative i'm trying to convey in the article on the on the flow of the piece. I mean, I'm trying to write something that's of you know reasonable quality itself. So the editing that I do goes towards that in the editing process. I might rewrite something four or five, six, seven times before it's what you see in Downbeat or formerly Jazz Times or Jazz Is Magazine or even liner notes for that matter. So quite a bit of editing goes into my print work. Also, uh, sometimes, depending on the situation, I'll send the artist a transcript of what I've written for accuracy's sake, yeah. and they may give them a chance to make sure they're, what is conveyed is what they meant to say without giving them editorial authority over it. Right. I'll come back to that question in a minute. 
this is for both of you. Who have you interviewed that was particularly enjoyable, that you felt it came out well as a piece of work, but also that it was just fun to talk to? Oh, <laughs> okay. Here's the list, a partial list. Oscar Hernandez from Spanish Harlem Orchestra is always a delight to talk to, as is Poncho Sanchez. Curtis Steigers, <laughs> did a, we did a, an interview and was just hilarious. The man was just nuts. He was talking about getting through the pandemic by doing podcasts featuring his dogs from his kitchen. And we had a wonderful discussion about that. Vocalist Haley Loren, Portland area, was just delightful to talk with. Kurt Elling will talk forever and is always entertaining. Samara Joy. J.C. Falk, who was working on doing the biographical film of Benny Golson, was a real hoot, as was Carl Griffin, who runs the Sarah Vaughan vocal competition. Those were surprises to me. These are people I hadn't really talked to before. They were really delightful. So that's a handful of, of mine, my favorites. That's an interesting list. I, I've always enjoyed talking with Kurt Elling, and I had one opportunity to speak with Samara Joy, who's very forthright and thoughtful and wise beyond her years. I once had 30 years ago or so, uh, 25 years ago, I, Curtis Steigers came up for maybe an hour on one of my shows. I, I haven't had a whole lot of negative interviews. It's been enjoyable to talk to most everybody. I don't want to be coy or snotty about it, but I, I, I mean, over the years, I've, I, I've been in this for almost 40 years and and I've talked with a lot of people. It was a great thrill to interview. To I've written five or six pieces on Sonny Rollins. He's my hero, kind of my uh, gateway into, into jazz. So having those opportunities and having him ask me to write a liner note was a great thrill. I had a couple of chances to interview Anthony Braxton on the radio in real time. And when I realized I could actually keep up with him and have a cogent conversation, it, I felt that was a bit of a feather in my cap. That was about 30 years ago. There are just so many. And I don't mean to sound snotty or overbearing. Now, I, I have, I'd say that the I've had a couple of bad experiences. And the one I'll share was Tony Williams just refused to talk to me. He came up, this was about 1991 or so, 92. He did not want to be there. He was giving monosyllabic answers to the questions. When I was on the radio and it was a live situation, I just said, well, look, I basically said, well, if you don't want to be here, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. You can just split. I've had some people who started off like that and then uh, somehow or other, we were able to shift the mood and get into something more more productive and helpful. Yeah, I'm going to just jump in here a little bit with my own experience. I most recently interviewed Bill Frizzell and Terrence Blanchard, both of whom I've talked to multiple times previously. Frizzell says he was terrified of doing interviews at the beginning of his career. And he's still... a soft-spoken, unassuming guy. I, I, can, I can vouch for that because I yeah. did a few of those at the beginning of his career and he's gotten much more comfortable. But come on, yeah. continue. Yeah, and Terrence is, presents himself uh, and his music well. A guy that I had a hard time getting him to give more than a one-sentence answer, and I don't think he was being antagonistic, it's just how he is, is Kenny Barron. He's a man of few notes and a man of few words, apparently. You ever talk to Kenny Barron? 
Quite a number of times, yeah. Yeah. Was it, so yeah. was it me? <laughs> uh, could have been him. It could have been where he was at on, yeah. that, on that day. No, but it, but a lot of it has to do with the context. I mean, musicians are have good days and bad days, and yeah. they may be responding to things that have nothing to do with you. It just has to do with what's of happening course. with them on that day. So who of the people that you haven't talked to would you have hope to have either interviewed while they were alive or would like to interview now? Who did you never get to talk to? I've never gotten to talk to Sonny Rollins. And yeah, he's a, been a hero of mine for a very long time. I would love to spend some time with him. I guess historically, it couldn't have happened physically, but I would love to have had a chance to talk to Duke Ellington or Earl Hines or, I, oh, well, I mean, so many people of that era who I did not have access to. But I feel I've been very fortunate. I, I, I started doing public interviews maybe around 1974 when I was in school in Chicago. And I interviewed a lot of the uh, Chicago musicians and the AACM musicians at an early stage. And then I was very fortunate to have access to people in New York being on the air 12, 15 hours a week with all the people who were doing programs in New York and wanted to spread the word. So it, it was very fortunate. So not to be coy, but I, I can't really think of anybody right now who I haven't interviewed, who I want to, although I'm sure 15 names will come up as well, soon when as I was this is over. This, when I was putting this list of questions together, two names immediately came up to me. I did get to talk to Sonny Rollins. It's been about 30 years ago. That was a great honor. I never got to interview Miles Davis, and I never got to interview Bob Dylan, two notoriously difficult people to interview. So I might have regretted it if I did get the opportunity. Well, you know something? You just named two people who I probably would think of. Maybe less so Miles than, than Dylan. I've had the chance to talk to a number of pop people when I was writing for barnesandnoble.com, like Aaron Neville, Smokey Robinson, Carly Simon, Katie Lang, people like that. But I talked to them from a jazz perspective. It was, it was, it was interesting. So they sort of went for the interviews in that way, because I don't really know any other way to talk to people. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Izzy Gillespie is another one. I'm, I had a couple of conversations with him informally at gigs and mm -hmm. stuff, but we never sat down for an interview. I never talked to Dizzy either. So yeah. there we go. Yeah, I talked to him in person. I never did a formal piece on him. To sum this up, if you were giving advice to younger up-and-coming journalists, either print or broadcast media, what advice can you offer them on the art of the interview? How to get a successful interview that will give you a good story? Do your homework. Get all the background information that can help you. And don't hesitate to ask the tough questions if you have to. But keep in mind that our job is to support. Our job is to support the music and the people who make it. Well, I I have a bit of a different take on it. I think if in, if you're going to be in a position where you're doing a lot of interviewing, and I, I'm not quite sure if the structure is different now on radio than it was, or for younger people in print magazines, I just do things the way I do them. I would read transcripts of interviews done by 
good interviewers, like the Paris Review interviews, let's say, or for that matter, just go online and read interviews with people by people who who, who are professionals. I'd also say that you should be as prepared as possible and not say stupid stuff. Understand that you're talking to a person and don't be phony about it. Be be yourself in the process of the interview. I used to make a, a good chunk of my living, as I said, doing transcription typing. Based in New York, you know, all the magazines are here. And I transcribed interviews for a lot of pretty talented artists and editors who were very good at the form from the 80s on. So that's one way I also learned how to interview and also making a jackass out of myself on the radio sometimes when I was early on in the process and learning from the mistakes. Not that everybody's going to have that opportunity necessarily. I was kind of, it was kind of a unique situation, but, but educate yourself in the form, Uh, educate yourself as much as possible and know as much about the person you're talking to as possible. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, Robin. We've been talking with Ted Pankin and Robin Lloyd about the art of the interview. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of The Buzz. Thank you for listening to The Buzz, a podcast produced by the Jazz Journalists Association. We release new episodes regularly on all the major platforms. To learn more about us, go to jjanews.org. This episode was edited by Wiz Petta. The John Michaels composition Big Vic is our theme music. I'm Rick Mitchell. Peace. Peace.